Oh my word. How Hello. L- how long have you and I been sitting here talking about what we're going to talk about in this episode? You know what I mean? We've been sitting here for a while now. Oh, have we? Yeah. It doesn't seem that long to me. God, it just felt like hours. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's one confession. By the way, welcome to the Robcast episode 270-something of day whatever of whatever this is. We're sending you grace and peace and love from our kitchen table. And, okay, confession. You know how you said you can't read the news before we record these episodes? You know oh, what I mean? Like the past episodes, you're like, if you read it, it just jacks you up. Yeah, but I, I can't read the news in the beginning part of the day because it just... Yeah, okay. So I, I, made the, I read the news this morning. I do every morning, but I did it, and now I got it in my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like the sadness, uh, rising death toll, and anger of, of how this has been handled and all these underlying issues of how we've arranged ourselves and the failure of... Oh, I could go on and on. So yeah, I just actually, had to like there, get that out. Right. There was one day when we were going to do a podcast and I made the mistake of reading the news and I it was I felt mm-hmm. so like heavy yeah. and down that I felt like I had nothing to give. Right. Right. Because all that's all of that. God, it like uh it takes up residence within you. I I sometimes feel like I I feel it at such a deep level that then I have to let it like work itself out, yeah. give it time to like go through the process yeah. of feeling yeah. it and letting it go, um, yeah. which I've learned you can't really control how long that takes. Sometimes it just takes a while. Yeah, You know what I mean? Sometimes you can like get yourself out of the pit. Sometimes I, I call it the pit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how sometimes I've even asked you like, hey, Rob, can you help me out of the pit? <laughs> we ask each other this on a regular basis. I'm in the abyss. I'm in the vortex. I'm getting swallowed up. Right. Sometimes you Help. can. It's like somebody can offer you like a, a hand or yeah. a, or a, a a rope or something, and you can pull back up. But other times you just just are in it. Right. And um, you have to. I I often find that a new day is a new start. Yeah. 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 Unless you're like me and you just read the news. Right. Unless, so, yeah. Um, you and I have been talking about what to talk about. And what I was interested in is that when you were like, well, we could talk about, you had a, a number of thoughts. And, and then I was thinking what I'd wanted to talk about. And once again, it was like, oh, yeah, those two would work together great. So, um, can I, let me try to frame it. Great. I want to I try to name something that's in the air. And, um, and then we'll go from there and then look at it historically and then look at it personally and then look at it going forward. So there we go. Wow. Four part structure that I just made up on the spot. <laughs> so here's what I want to name. Um, I mean, for some, this pandemic and all this is, especially healthcare workers, it, it is a frenzy. It is frantic. It is work like never, like life risking work. Um, Right. Medical workers who are even separated from their families because they don't feel right exposing their families every night when they come home. So we're all, we're all feeling for them, cheering them on. Um, our hearts are with 
all of these people who this particular experience that we're all going through has, has meant an increase in intensity um, like never before. Then there are those who it's business as usual. Um, it's like you think of all the systems that, that actually make the world run from food to sanitation to water to power to electricity, all that. There, there are some who it's just uh, um, the UPS guy right? who's down our street every day at 2.36 or whatever, the regular time he comes through. Um, so, so for some, it's just business as usual with an added level like all of us of ambient um, tension and defense. and But then there's a massive, massive number of people who everything got like etch-a-sketch, just got shaken, got thrown up in the air. And at the heart of that for many, well, people are working and living and unstacked on top of each other. But at the heart of that for many is this word productivity, which has just taken a beating. So I, I want to, I, um, what you would want to talk about and what I had been thinking about was this understanding we have of productivity and the number of people who are like, oh, wow, maybe this is the time to write that novel. Mm, maybe not the time to start new creative work. So there's, there's the possibilities of this moment, which whew, that's tough. There is normal what you'd get done in a day. But what I've noticed is a number of people all of a sudden have all these giant question marks, not only about how to be productive, but that goes like to a another layer of what even is productivity, which goes to a sense of driven, ambitious. We have these usual ways we think about a day that have just been blasted to pieces. There's like an existential question lurking in all this is what is a life? What is accomplishment? How do my days normally work? You know what I mean? Well, we're having to reevaluate meaning. What what gives our life meaning? Good God! I just went for like three minutes, and then you just did one sentence, <laughs> and it was like, it was like the whole time you were listening to me trying to get at the heart of it, and you were like, "I'll just let him stop," and then thank you, broadcast listeners. I'll well, summarize it all. Yes, correct. Meaning and so this it can, relationship between productivity and meaning. Right, and if you're someone who's used to like going out and getting things done and working towards goals and um, if that, if that's kind of like your mode of being, and now you are forced to be indoors, you're forced to either stop working or work from home, or I mean, even people who are working from home, it feels like their workload is very reduced because, um, so many people aren't, I mean, the economy is just quiet. Or they're working from home with their coworkers working and connected more than ever, but the thing that they would normally be doing has some stoppage or obstacle in it. So it's like, oh, we can be just as productive as ever. We've figured that out, but it's the system. It's the, the game we're playing. It's the world that we move in that has been shifted. Right. So at whatever level it hits, the standard metric and the reference points we have for productivity are, have just been blasted. And we have forced limits. Yes. 
we are we have been forced into operating under these new conditions. Yes. And it's interesting the number of people who have I, I've seen express some version of oh these new conditions. Oh, this has opened up all sorts of new ways I can be productive. But then when they actually tried to be that, we're like, this is not I, the thing in the air is not new creative energies. I do think there's been a little bit of a rhythm in that sense. Um, I know for us, we're in like week three or four, somewhere around there, Whatever. depending on when you start counting. Whatever. But um, but in the first two weeks, it felt like a lot of adjustment, right? but also a little bit of like a, huh, I wonder what this will bring. Like, like you said, maybe I could start on this project or, yeah. and it feels like in week three, there's been this realization of, you know what, this thing is actually quite heavy and I don't have a lot of creative energies. Yeah. Whatever those energies are, they aren't available to me in these moments. Um, and... So like I, I saw an article in the New York times about, um, like basically letting yourself off the hook, like it's not a time to be productive. Like yeah. there's enough going on just to keep your just keep yourself sane and keep your family safe. And like I don't think we realize how much energy right now yeah. is being used by just trying to figure out what this is and how we're going to survive it. And what life is going to be like on the other side or when, when is the other side? Like there's a lot of energy that we're using that we've never, a type of energy that we've never yes. used before. Right. And it's a type of energy that the modern world in its obsession with efficiency and production did not give much credence to. So soul exhaustion yeah, or ambient stress that is harder to name but it is it is in the air, which can sound very woo-woo to people. Or or you're picking up on the grief that right, the is collective in grief. the collective unconscious. Wait, 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 what's that? I can't, there's no pie chart for that. But it's just as real as anything you could give us the data on. You used to say to me, have you, uh, I'm trying to think of the last time you said it, you would say to me, like, hey, it's not a tough guy contest. Uh-huh. When I would push myself almost for the sheer sake of pushing myself. It was like productivity stacked on productivity, stacked on productivity. And you would be like, you know, this was back when I was... Yeah. Just a young man. <laughs> young and foolish. You'd be like, what, what exactly are you proving here? Well, like, what are you doing here? Right, um, which I think gets at how often our identity is tied up in our productivity. Phew. Like, I'm only okay if I have something to show for my life. Right. Um, I need to have something to point to to make me feel okay. Like, look what I did. Yes. But the danger with that is that, that I mean, there's lots of dangers with that, but one is that you just get caught up in this life of always moving and never having these times of reflection and... Um, asking what makes my life meaningful. What do I value? Um, I think you, you sometimes hear about this when people are on their deathbed and they're reflecting on their life. Um, and 
I mean, how often in movies is does the character like regret that they didn't spend more time with the people they loved or they didn't, you know, um, mm-hmm. they yeah. pursued right, things right, that right, ended up right. being quite empty. Right. Um, and so one of the things I think that's happening during this time is we're being forced to not produce as much and we're, we're being forced to like, have this time to reflect on what is what like was you the said, point the of ex- all that the existential right. questions that we rarely get to because life moves so quickly yeah and yeah, yeah. i do think right now part of why everything feels so heavy is because it's it's we can't avoid the existential questions yeah 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 so true okay so there's two things here then so let's just for everybody um, for everybody who has like some almost knot in their stomach or some um, voice on their shoulder telling them they should be getting more done and what's their problem and what a wonderful opportunity for them with time on their hands to start all of those lovely creative projects that they wish that we should just, hey, it's okay. Right. Like just take a deep breath. We're taking deep breaths here. Just let yourself, extend yourself grace. Uh, There's like a meditative moment there. We should just pause and let everybody just, hey, it's a whole new world and all the old rules don't apply like they did in some of this. Yes, and there's an aspect of trust that comes in here. Yeah. Like we don't have to figure out the value and the meaning of this right now but we can still trust that something yeah. just trust in the process yeah, trust yeah. in exactly. the um trust in what's happening that that this can form something in you so there's like this pause where we just all let ourselves off the hook we extend ourselves this grace and then you move to the existential um for everybody who's found themselves asking questions like, what was all that pushing that I've been doing hour after hour, day after day? All those times I told people how busy I was, all of that movement. Because even now we now have all this data from cell phones that a large number of cell phones just aren't moving because they all have you know GPS trackers built. So they're now be able to just grab like lots of normal, those maps of cell phones, they're moving constantly all over uh, land. And, and right now a lot of them are just sitting still. And so we even literally have like maps showing not people aren't going. So you have this looking back on all of that and a sort of disorienting. What is, what is a life? Right. What is, what was my fear of missing out? What was I? Cause right now no one can have fear of missing out. There's well, no, like, it's weird to see, see FOMO go away. Right. No, and, there is and, no party somewhere. And another interesting thing is now that we're this many days into this, I know in the beginning, I, I looked at like the month ahead and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I wonder how many people yeah. felt like they couldn't do it. And now, like you said, they're, they're tracking these cell phones and, People really are. Did they're, it. They're right. doing this. Yeah. Um, 
And my guess is that most people would have said, no way. Right. Uh, right. Right. I'll go crazy. Right. And yet here we are. Right. Right. Here we are. But I, I there is a, there is a spiritual disorientation that comes when your usual reference points don't work like they used to. So if the day was accomplishing this many units of this or achieving this and those are taken away, um, that can cause like your compass to spin. Yeah. Like what is north? What is south? When these patterns, which ac actions over time shape neural activity, like the pathways actually get formed of this is life. This is how it works. This is what we do. This is um, this thing that we all just participate in. When you are forced to, it's like an altered state, you get a glimpse of the thing. And lots of people are getting a glimpse of this thing that they called their life. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and it, for those of you who are like, whoa, this is, I have like questions that are like bubbling up. What is, the, what is this thing that we do? Yeah, that's very normal. And those questions, if you don't repress them or suppress them, you know, right? Or deny them or avoid them, but you actually listen to them, those questions, if you aren't used to asking them, I mean, you and I have like given our lives to these questions, but for some, these questions are new and they can be, they can have an element of terror to them. What is work? What is profit? What is accomplishment? What are we doing here? Right. But it also has the potential to form a certain kind of life. Ah, oh, yes. And, and that's what happens when you have the courage to go into the existential questions about meaning and death and connection. And, and how much is enough? And how do we know when the work is done? And how do we even measure that? And what is success? Like you, we, each question just moves the mystery down a lever. But, but what you're doing when you go there is you're, you're creating a, a life that has meaning. Yes. You're creating the kind of life that you would like to live. Yes. And for many... The examined life. And the, the realization... I wonder how many, for how many, the realization that this whole thing is constructed can be a mind-blowing, soul-shattering idea the first time you step into it. Because for many, the world exists. That's how we're, that's how we're taught. The world, here's the world. And so you would need this resume to get this job. You would need these grades to get into this school. You would need this amount of money to get that car and have that house and give your kid this opportunities. Like there, in most settings, there's like a map. There's like a territory. There's like, you get, and these people have a little more and these have less and these people accomplish a little bit and these, these people are the winners and these people are a little bit, like there's the thing. But part of the experience, like when you, you get your snow globe existentially rattled mm -hmm. is the realization that this whole thing is a construct. It's been created. Right. It reminds me of your metaphor of uh, your ladder is up against a building. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. And there's always somebody pointing to the ladder going, this, and whatever space you're in, here's how you climb, here's how you achieve.
here's how things are done in this space. And right, then, and we're very good at figuring out where the ladders are and how to climb them. Drop us into any situation, right? Um, but, I mean, go on. Oh, yeah. The, the, rarely do you take a class in learning how to make sure that the ladder's even leaned up against the right building. And that, what am I doing here? What are, we're earning, what is this money for again? <laughs> so right. when you come to see that this thing is constructed... So these people over here told you that this level of achievement makes you, somebody just decided that. And somebody over here said this amount of money is what you get for doing this. Somebody just decided that. That the whole thing has been co-created. That, that can be a, a jarring illusion to have it disappear. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But but there's also the invitation to then create yes. something new. Right. And we're jumping ahead because there's too much unknown and grief right now that we're all experiencing. But but we are going to see, this is just the part in the show where we predict, um, we are going to see on the other side of this a massive, massive number of people asking questions about the whole thing. Yes. You're going to see Collectively, that. but I also yeah. think I'm going back to the individual life. Like what, what, mm -hmm. what gives my life meaning? What do I value? Um, there's a chance to create a different system for yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like with the ladder metaphor. Yeah. Like looking, taking a long look at the ladder and saying, you know what? I don't want to climb that ladder. Yeah. Because I actually see now that when you get to the top, what is it? <laughs> right, 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 right. What, what, what was it promising? Was it promising security? Was it promising happiness? Was it promising you're finally going to feel good about yourself? Um I mean, some of this can go back to the idea of the that object out there, that thing that we're after that's going to fix us, that's going to make us feel okay. The sacred object, the magical other, whatever it is that we've come to believe is going to finally make us happy. And it's always just one step ahead. Right, or it's at the top of the ladder. Yeah, yeah, it's unattainable. And then if you do attain it, that's the real terror. Right. And it doesn't do what it what it you thought it would do. Then that's a whole nother level of letdown. Okay, so uh can I keep going? Yeah. Can I go because you know I'm gonna go biblical at some point here. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, come on. <laughs> um what is how does Noel Gallagher sign his name? Or Oh no, Liam Gallagher Liam. started. He would talk about things being biblical and then people started holding up signs at his shows just say biblical and then he started tweeting just the word biblical which just makes me laugh so hard so that was a bit of a, a yeah Liam, I'm a sorry when you, when you said you were going to go biblical that's just it was a little I bit that was a Liam Gallagher reference yeah but it was also literal it was also true yeah <laughs> but um the there's this story that I come back to over the years these Hebrew slaves in Egypt, their worth as slaves comes from how many bricks they produce. 
and they make bricks for the Pharaoh. And in Egypt, there's slavery, and you're only useful as a slave if you can make lots of bricks. So production and identity are inextricably interwoven. So when these slaves are rescued from Egypt, uh, they have to learn how to be human beings, which is different than human doings. So we, they get out of Egypt, but then the getting the Egypt out of them takes a long, long time. And so coming out of the slavery where their identity comes from how many bricks they produce, and I always pause here and say, because there's no relevance for this ancient story to 2020, and everybody laughs because it's a dumb joke, but fairly powerful. Like, this is still the same question in our culture. Our work and our value comes from how many bricks we produce. It's always how it's worked. And so one of the many signs of spiritual growth is you're finding your grounding and centering and identity less and less in how many bricks you produce, which is what it looks like to be more and more liberated. Um, but one of the first things these former slaves are given is this teaching about Sabbath, take a day a week and do no work. So how do you become free from an enslavement to productivity? Not the goodness of making things and contributing, but an enslavement to productivity as a God that can never be satisfied. You know what I mean? Like right. when you and I talk about productivity, we're not talking about the joy of making things. We're not talking about doing our part. We're not talking about each of us giving, doing our work, because that's, I mean, that's where the joy in life is. It's this enslavement <clears throat> to an unspecified, it's like a beast that can never be fully fed. It just wants more. Whatever it does, it just wants more. So you're like, it's like an unsustainable, it's like being trapped on a treadmill that no matter how fast you run, <clears throat> it just, the speed just keeps turning up. Right. And enslavement feels like a good word because it's that, it's that feeling where it owns you. Yes. You're right, not right. able to, to be who you are. You're not able to like stop and enjoy life. It's like, it, it's a consuming force. Right. It's like, it's not the good tired that comes from, yeah, you work hard, you did your part. It's the battery drain of exhaustion that has a bit of despair. Or, or even the, yeah, or even the constant the feeling of like it never being enough. Right. Like that feeling when you go to bed at night, like, man, I didn't, I didn't do it. I didn't get it. Right. Right, 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 right. And so Sabbath, this one out of, this one day a week was always take a day a week to make sure that none of those previous six days of work have gotten their claws into you and taught you something about the universe that isn't true. Right. Like I, um, um, someone said, Sabbath is the day when you remember that the energy is not, the universe is not sustained by your energies alone. Right. Or the pro, and especially in, in the modern world, the past roughly 400 years, the dominant energies have been the mastery of creation, um, have been standing over creation in dominance. And the reason why Sabbath is so subversive is it's a day when, humans are no longer, are, are not giving their dominant energies to conquering and mastery. 
Wow, that's great. Because you acknowledge that the creational energies of the universe extend way beyond you. Otherwise, we become, in our own minds, gods on earth. Right. This is our clay to shape, and we end up making a mess of things. Right, and you see the destruction that we've created. Right, 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 right. Now, here's what I, I want. Wait, one more thing. I was going to say my favorite quote about Sabbath is that on Sabbath, the work is done even if it isn't. Ah, nice. Yes, yes. And that takes some practice. Sabbath is one day a week when you act as though the work is done, even if it isn't. That's just... Which is a practice of letting go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I really want to finish this project or I really want to do this thing that I've had in my head, but it's a practice of like, but I let it go. We act as if all the work is done. Ah, yeah, because it's so good for the soul. And then it... And then what you and I, when, what was it, 20 years ago, we started on treating Saturdays different than other days is we quickly realized that when, when we started doing this, it exposed the insanity of all the other days. Yes. It, it, it exposed that endless hunger that's never satisfied. You see it much better. Right. It, it showed me how hard it was to stop. Yeah. Um. So what I want to add to this is, I don't even know if you and I have ever talked about this. The, the whole Exodus liberation from Egypt story is about these Hebrew slaves. They're in Egypt. But the question then becomes, well, why are they in Egypt? How did they end up enslaved? But that takes you back to the story of Joseph. Joseph who had the brothers who throw him in the hole, who has the... He has the Technicolor dream coat. Right. That they were, Joseph. They were jealous of him. They're jealous of him, that whole thing. Now, the fascinating thing about that story is that Joseph ends up working for Pharaoh. But what Pharaoh is doing, because of a series of dreams and Joseph's interpretation of his dreams, Pharaoh is building storehouses of grain for a coming famine. So Pharaoh is stockpiling. And he's stockpiling massive amounts of food so that when there's a shortage, he'll be able to sell those massive amounts of food. And so people talk about how this is, this is one of the first cases of massive inequality. Um, and this is why Joseph ends up being reunited with his brothers who threw him in the pit, is they're living in a land that's going through the famine, so they have to come to the Pharaoh to try to get food like everybody else is. Oh, you mean come to the Pharaoh or come to Joseph? Yes, Yes and yes. Oh, they're coming, I see. They're coming because they've stockpiled. They hear, oh, in Egypt, they've stockpiled Because Joseph is working with the Pharaoh. But what's interesting is the... And that's how they all end up in Egypt. That's how they all end up being enslaved, is they end up enslaved because of the inequality of stockpiling, which when you think about our world right now, the massive growing distance between those who have and those who don't, the massive obsession with production which has actually benefited some way, way, way more than those who have less than ever. And it's like you can feel not only these economic dimensions dawning on massive numbers of people, but the ways in which we stockpile at a personal level, working, 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 working to build up what... Yes, you see I, what I'm th saying? I think it's very common uh, because I know it's true for me. Um, 
I have this idea that if I get the work done, then I'm really going to enjoy. Right. If I just stack it high enough and I have enough surplus and I've accomplished enough, then there'll be some contentment deep in the heart where I'll be like, oh, now I've arrived. Right. But it never comes. And then it creates like an almost an addictive loop where if somebody were like, oh, just take a bunch of time off. Terror, which is why people check their emails on vacation. Terror that I'll get behind, that the stack will get a little low, that the storehouse won't be as full as it once was. And it's like you can feel it in the collective psyche right now. Everybody's like, stay home. You can't produce like you always have. Well, isn't it interesting it's like that a breaking of an addiction. so many people at this time too have they're taking more than they need. Like, right, like the right, right the the shelves are empty because so many people their their reaction to this fear is I got a stockpile. Right, right, right. Um, which is the the whole joke about the reality, which is the joke about the toilet paper is what is in sophisticated modern human beings who have more technology than any civilization anywhere, what is the stockpiling toilet paper thing? Because that feels like a really ancient, strange impulse in this right. moment. And we all laugh about it, well, I read something, but there's a truth in it. Yeah. Yeah, there's all there's some Freudian, interesting Freudian things. Yes, and, sure, sure, sure. Um, <laughs> but also, I just got an email from the uh, Water and Power Company, and they, I didn't make this connection until I read this email, but they were saying... No, your your tap water is safe to drink. And they did a whole paragraph about how your tap water is fine. And I was like, oh, this is, they're saying this because everybody has bought up all the bottled water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a stockpiling kind of like, um, we're just in trouble. I just have to have extra water around. Not realizing that this particular situation doesn't, like earthquakes affect the water. Yeah. You need to ha- drink bottled water. But in this situation, um, you don't need to stockpile bottled water. And yet these ancient impulses. Yeah. Uh, fear, scarcity. Yeah. We just have to like do something. Just do something. Prepare. And this Sabbath impulse, this Sabbath practice is trusting that there's enough. It's a practice of abundance, which is why um, those fascinating stories in Torah about the they're all observing Sabbath, but one guy can't. He just has to go out and work. Um, he can't because Sabbath was about trust. There'll be, there'll be enough. And right now, there is enough. Um, it's the only reason we some don't have enough is because somebody somewhere has controlled the distribution. Right. And as soon as the stores started limiting, like only one toilet paper thing per customer or right. one bag of rice, I saw like the stores started putting limits on certain items that were gone. And then there's enough for everybody. Yeah. 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 The earth is actually capable of producing for us. It's the stockpiling, greed, corrupt need to accumulate even more beyond what's already possessed 
that leads to others not having enough. And when people begin to see this, that there actually is an abundance, then it exposes all of the practices that don't allow people to access that abundance. And Sabbath is this practice. It's like a spirit or an impulse. It's a, a weekly practice, but it, it's a way of life. I mean, you and I, when we stumbled into this, we kept going, oh, wait, this is a whole way of seeing creation. Right. And, and for- your efforts, and your efforts in their proper light. Like it exposes the, some of the obsession and addiction to mastery and stockpiling. And what it does when you begin to practice and live this way is it produces a sort of peace and calm, which I, I feel you and I like right now more than ever. Right, because for many people, this is a season yes. of Sabbath. Right, it's got these Sabbath edges to it. It's like, what is this? This is because it sh- it, it's foreign and disruptive and subversive and can have sharp points to it if you're not used to thinking or living this way. It can be very, ter- it, can be, it can have an element of terror to it. Like, wait, I'm, I'm not hitting my numbers like I've always have. Yeah, well, it's it's causing us to go deep, and yeah. and look at the things that drive us and and why they drive us, and what what assumptions, what beliefs that we have, way down deep that aren't serving us. Yes, man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Yeah. So, what do you want to? What do you got? This. Uh, this feels like the invitation for everybody everywhere. Yeah. Okay. It feels like the new place that is opening up for so many. Like to be freed from the addiction to productivity so you can actually just enjoy the work. And for like me, I, I don't change a course of action oftentimes unless some something gets in my way, something disrupts it, something, uh, and then I'm in enough, I'm, ah, I'm thrown off enough, I'm in enough pain that I'm like, I start asking the questions that we even began with, the more existential questions. What is this? What is going on here? What assumptions have I bought into that I don't have to buy into? Right. Right. There, uh, there does seem to be an invitation to contentment yeah. to like that feeling of, okay, deep breath. I, I have what I need in this moment. Yes. Yeah. So you're there in your place. Maybe you are surrounded by a bunch of peoples who are your tribe. Maybe you aren't. You're trying to get some stuff done. It, that's changed. You uh, don't know what's on the other side of this or what the new normal is going to look like. You're, it's just business as usual, but it's got an added layer of stress and grief. You're frantically working more than ever. Um, and the invitation for everybody is that you have what you need. Take a deep breath. There is enough. We're going to get through this. Right. An invitation to trust. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
I like that word. Uh, like a word like trust has been so maligned for us. We've had our trust broken so many times. Mm-hmm. But like part of beginner's mind is coming back to these what felt like simple words, but when you come back to them, you discover how profound they are, like trust. Right. Faith, which which can be so loaded, but trust. I like that you use contentment when we were talking about doing this episode. Right. And one of the reasons why I thought of that word is because I've been listening to certain songs that I feel like have that, they evoke that feeling. Mm-hmm. I've been looking for for music to help me find that feeling of, yeah. of like being in the flow of life and being okay with it, being yeah. okay with what is. Was it last night we listened to 1975? It was yesterday. Yesterday, we had that door open and we were on the porch and we were playing Paris. Do you all know right. this song, that Paris, is, that by is the, the 1975? That is the song that really moved me yesterday. And we just sat. Yeah, because that had that feeling. Mm-hmm. It, it had that feeling. Like, just rest in this. Just be in this right here. Yeah, deep breath. So, all, right. all of our friends... All of our Robcast friends, I know. Those of you asking all those big existential questions, those of you, the whole thing, it's like the rug got pulled out from underneath the whole thing. You're like, what is this? I'll tell you, it's all part of the tradition. It's all part of what humans have been doing for thousands of years in the face of unforeseen events is you start asking all sorts of deeper questions. And within that, obviously, are always the seeds of imagination. If we were to cook this whole thing up again, how would we do it? Because all of a sudden we're, we've been at home now for weeks and we'd love to get back to it, but would we? What do we want to get back to? These are, are good there, questions. Uh, so for all of you who are having discussions you've never had before, who are seeing things, who are realizing our collective political life together um, could be organized differently. Please, God, <laughs> we need it to be organized. Yes, yes, yes. All the upheaval. Yes, we're with you in it. Does that, did you like that? I was like doing like a rousing thing. At the I know. End. Well, I, I actually wondered if you that should got a do little like, mellow a, there. It got like a, a benediction, mellow. like a may you. But like in the middle of that, but we got a little mellow there because we were just sort of. I know. I, I think I was it. just, yeah, feeling it. What? You see, this is interesting because normally I'm so like, I got these big ideas I'm trying to share. But I realized in the middle of that episode, look at us now talking about this episode <laughs> at the end of the episode. I realized I was just feeling everything we were talking about. It got real slow and mellow in there. So I was like, yeah, that's what this is. Right, even... That's what this s- is. Something as You don't like even have to say anything profound in this episode. Simple as yeah. doing a podcast, you can, <laughs> you can right. make it into a practice as well. Right, right, right. Because even talking about trust, and we were talking about contentment, we were talking about, yeah, yeah, all these... All these things. What was the thing I was doing again? Oh, at the end, like just wanting everybody to know from you and I that all of this, all this new stuff that's being dug up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. That's how it works. You can see little little bits of seeds start to get planted for a whole new thing. Whew. Yeah, there we go. So, our friends, uh, a benediction. Yeah, let's. May you, in these disorienting, grief-filled, strange, surreal days, 
Uh, may you be reminded that you're not alone, that uh, we're all going through this together. And may you be confronted with a universe of abundance, not scarcity. Even if you've just lost something, or even if you have overwhelming fears about money, work, productivity, basic needs, may you trust that there is enough. That there is enough. And, and may that trust bring you a sense of peace and contentment. And may grace and peace be with you now more than ever. Should I say amen? <laughs> <laughs>